It is episode 229 of Kane's Cast. I think you look like Shane Willis. It's been a while since we've done this. Well, I'm just going to lead in with this. Oh, it's so good to be here. How about we'll lead hey, in, buddy? How about we lead in with this? <laughs> oh, good to see you, buddy. Hey, how was the trip? Long. Uh, seriously, but you guys, this is like opening night again tomorrow night. It is. It's opening night number two here at PNC Arena. That's the good part about this trip. We get to have two. Yes. Most teams only have one. And uh, while I was away, hopefully you had two Stormbrew. The fine presenting sponsor of Kane's cast. Yes. Two. Maybe more. <laughs> per, you know, responsibly. That's what responsibly, I Responsibly, yes. Uh, yeah, uh, we didn't have it on the West Coast. Happy to have it now as R&D Brewing Storm Brew, the fine, fine sponsor of Kane's cast. It is episode 229. And uh, come back with three wins, one loss, and one overtime loss on a Western Canadian and uh, Northern California swing. Pretty darn good, if you ask me, Shane, when you consider the caliber of opponent that you are getting when you look at Calgary and Edmonton, a desperate team in Vancouver, uh, an improved team right now in Seattle that Carolina just took out behind the woodshed, and then a San Jose team, the record doesn't reflect it, but they play pretty tough. Yeah, I was talking to somebody after the Vancouver game, and if you went out on that trip and seven points out of ten, you jump on that plane and get home as quick as you can, mm-hmm. and everyone's happy, everyone's ready to go and get back home. Um, to their families, to their own bed, and yeah. to this arena for a big Friday night against the Islanders. But I also look back at that trip, Mike, and when you say seven, could have been ten. Sure. They were in every game, and that's what this team is. And, and, and you know, Rod talked about the Calgary game. You were in pretty solid control of that game until midway through the second. Some penalty trouble really took things out of your hands. But you win that game – you know, things are looking a lot different. The Edmonton game was fine. A couple mistakes there on special teams. But overall, you look at the effort and the way the team played for 60 minutes every night, extremely happy. Yeah, the effort's always there. I don't think that that should ever come into question anymore with this team. But uh, there are a few things that, that you are going to look at. We're going to look at, you know, the start to the season for this club. I know that we're going to talk some goaltending here today on Kane's cast because Paul Schoenfelder, the goaltending coach for the Carolina Hurricanes, is going to join us here. So can't wait to talk to Paul and get his take on the position, the start of the season, and uh, everything that goes into it. But uh, let's get your quick take on, on the first six games. What's the the good in Shane Willis's mind that you've seen with the the Hurricanes sitting with, as of recording, a four one and one record? The good for me is the offensive output from Sebastian Ajo, Andrei Svechnikov, and Marty Natchez. Sebastian Ajo and Andre Svechnikov are guys you look at, you're like, that's expected. We want him to do it. Marty H is a guy that needed to do it. Everyone knew he has the talent and skill, but to get out to a quick start like this in this season is huge for Marty Natchez and for this team. I talked about it in what you're talking about, Willis, before the Vancouver game when you're looking for depth scoring, and we're talking about veteran guys, Jesper yeah. Foss, who got one that night, Jordan Stahl, Jordan Martinuk, Derek Stepan. These guys... They start clipping along, which you know they can. Paul Stasny, look out. This team becomes so dangerous because the youngsters and their high-flying talent that everyone knows is there is scoring. Now when the rest all comes together, along with the defensive structure, the pace, and the guy you just mentioned, Paul Schoenfeller, and what his two goaltenders are doing throughout the start of this season, this team is going to be very tough to beat. All right, so what's the concern then, if you if there's anything? And again, I, I hate doing this because we're six games into the season. Yeah, we're not. We're definitely not stepping anywhere close to a panic button no, or anything no. like that. But like, is there one thing that is there one thing that you look at and you're like, okay, you know, th- this is this is going to get better. Like you talked about the depth scoring. You know, the positive is the guys who are scoring, and then people will say, well, you're not getting from anybody else. You know that's coming. Is there something that you're looking at? You're like, it's not where it should be now, or it's not to where this team expects it to be, but in, in about nine or ten more games from now, it'll be right where it should be. Well, I think depth scoring for me won. I think you want those veteran guys to get things going as quick as you can. You don't want this to last too right. long. And then the biggest avenue, and when you look at both games, I look at the Edmonton game, and I look at the Calgary game, the Edmonton game, and we're going to talk about special teams. Now, 
Am I saying the special teams are no, no special teams are good, but the other part I talked about when this team was on the road trip was the mistakes you're making on special teams. You don't want to see those happen. Rod Burnamore talked about the power play, and he said on the bench as coaches, we could see what Edmonton was doing, and the players on the ice didn't turn away from the things they were trying to do to protect against that. Edmonton's high-flying. A shorthanded goal, to me, is, is a very tough pill for any team to swallow in a game. So you have that, and then the penalty kill gives up a power play goal against Edmonton. Mm-hmm. You look at what happened in Calgary taking too many penalties, and I think that's an area we know was a concern last year, the the march to the penalty box, if you will. Is it the way the game's being called? Is it the way the players are playing? Is it just a mindset of stick penalties? Whatever it might be, that is an area, again, concerned is too strong of a word. If I had to clean something up, that's what it would be. Yeah, I, I, I just think that six games into a season when people want to start talking about special teams, come talk to me. Game twenty five. Yeah, everyone's you know, still settling it. Yeah, let's get a quarter. Let's get a quarter into the season. You've got new players in new positions doing things that, and I'll, I'll use this as an example. Just Brent Burns. It's it's a new system for him, but when when he, it's all figured out, he's already got four points. When it's all figured out, good night, nurse. I mean, the, the way that he's playing, when he can, and you know this as the former player, Shane. When you have, when you stop thinking and you just play. And you just react because it becomes second nature. And he'll get there. He will definitely get there. And I'm seeing it already through six games. And the next six games will be better. And that's for everybody who's involved. Because, again, new faces for the Carolina Hurricanes in those departments. And early on, I never know who has an advantage. I don't know if goaltenders have advantages early on in the season. I don't know if the shooters have the advantages. Because goalies haven't seen a lot of work in a couple of months. But... Everything I've seen out of the Canes through the first six games tells me they are right where everybody thought they should be as one of the best teams in the league. I agree. I agree. And I think it's only going to get better for this team. And I'm going to go back to this trip, Mike, That and we heard Rod talk about it the other day after practice. It was a long one. Mm. Like, to have no back-to-backs on that trip. And everyone talks about back-to-backs all the time. Players want that. They do not want to lay around a hotel room not do anything for a day, then go back to the rink, skate, play a game, then have two days off a couple times on this trip. Like, that is too much. Players want to be in rhythm. You look at baseball players. Why do hitters get in rhythms and start hitting bombs? Because they play every day. Mm -hmm. It is not as physically crazy demanding as people think. The players want to play back-to-back. They want one day off. They want to get right back at it. You don't want those gaps. So... You look at this game coming up, one, they're excited to be home, then you're going to jump on a quick flight to Philadelphia for a Saturday game. That's what this team wants. That's what Rod Brunamore wants. He wants this pace to set in and to get into a rhythm like that. And I think the schedule tightening up and getting busier helps this team to another level. The team played two games in eight days, if you count the start of the road trip, and they were going to play their third game in an eighth, but two getting there in if you're on the road for eight days, seven days, and you've only played two games, and again, there's, it's not like, oh, oh, whoa, whoa was me, but it just makes a, a long road trip feel even longer. Like the longest month of my life was the four days we spent in Seattle. Beautiful city. Yeah, you can but, only fish for so long. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things where as a player, you know this, Shane, practice isn't a fun thing once the season rolls around. Practice is rarely a fun thing. There are and those who enjoy it. You can work on things in practice, but you go back to tempo and rhythm, you have to have games. You have to have touches and the speed of a game coming at you. But also on the road, you're practicing in a different facility and the well, facilities that you practice in. If you're not practicing not in the, the rink, game rink, but if you're in nine out of ten times, it's not the game rink. A lot of these facilities now are very good. Like as opposed sure. to, I hate to do this because you're not that old, but as opposed to when you were playing, you know, the barn that you'd uh, have to yes. go to if the rink wasn't available. <laughs> Raleigh Center Ice wasn't the most ideal situation. So that's some of the places that you'd practice. Well, you got to go away. It's a smaller locker room. You just get on the ice, get off, put your work in, and do what you got to do. And then it goes back to sitting around in the hotel. Yeah, what are we going to do the rest of the day? Yeah. Where do we go from there? <laughs> you can only go out shopping and fishing so many times, as Shane pointed out. But uh, this is a road trip, and I this is where I want to remind some people in the not too 
long ago past, if the Canes came back from a road trip that had five teams on the West Coast and they came back with seven out of ten points, like this is a great road trip. And now we keep talking about where the bar is and where it's set for the organization, Shane. They came back from this road trip with seven points, and there's a burn of, well, we should have had nine. You know, probably should have had ten. Sure, expectations. And from fans, to me, I'm like. Oh, I'm saying the players, too. But, yeah, I mean, I would have been real pumped with eight, but seven's fine. But I think that's where it goes back to how well they played, Mike, because they could have had the other two. Yep. That's, That's, as a player, you want that. You want that burn of, like, we should have had that one, too. That's what upsets them more than they didn't play bad. You know, think about if you came back with seven and you laid an egg in one game. That you're like, come on. But they didn't. Oh, and and Rod Brindamore said it too. If you break down every period of hockey they played, the one that you could point to that maybe wasn't up to their standard was the second period in Calgary. Everything else was yes. where it needed to be. Yeah, because to me the effort and everything was going in Edmonton in period one, but that's a high end pace team. Yep. You know it was gonna be a track meet. At least that's no what they wanted to get into. So, yeah. and for me, I, I again six games in, I like where this team is at, and 100%. it's just gonna it's just gonna get better. Although I get a little three game metro battle that I, I kind of do like because when you especially when you get a three game metro battle and two of them are in your building, you got to take care of business on that one. Thank you. So, oh, <laughs> make sure that that is taken care of. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Justin. So we are are taken care of. One thing we want to get to right now, we don't want to dilly-dally uh, with this. Oh, I just said dilly-dally. Dilly-dally. Yeah, exactly. Wow, we went back. I know. <laughs> back in my day, I had some other floofity flu to talk about. Lollygag to first base. <laughs> you know what that makes you? A lollygagger. Uh, no lollygagging in the nets, though, for the Carolina Hurricanes. And earlier, we caught up with the goaltending coach. Of the Hurricanes. Joining us here on Canes Cast, the goaltending coach for the Carolina Hurricanes, Paul Schoenfelder. And Paul, first off, appreciate this. You you actually have come up to the studio to be part of the interview process. So this ranks you higher on the, the list of our guests now. So, you know. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You uh, put him above Tim Gleason because he made us come to the room? No. I said, it put said him, I said it put him higher than <laughs> some guests. I didn't get specific now, did I? Oh. But yes, he's higher than Tim Gleason. I'm saying that right now. Oh, please do. Uh, For for the start of the season and for people, uh, for uh, transparency, uh, this is before the game against the New York Islanders. So we've got six games into the season. The Hurricanes are 4-1-1. Is there anything that you look at as far as a goaltending coach with the, the guys who you're in charge of for a trend early on, or is it just... There's a certain amount of games you got to see a guy play before you can start saying maybe there's something here we can work on or keep building on or this is what's working right. Uh, well, th- this year's been a little different because it's um, just going back. Um, we've had some new goalies come in year after year, right? Um, so this is the first year where I've had both Rance and and Freddie back. So I, I know them. I know them well. I kind of know what makes them tick and and habits and stuff like that. So we kind of. We just keep rolling like we did last year. Nothing changes. Um, as far as trends and trends and stuff, yeah, it's always it's constant. Like there's always we, we always talk about. There's always something. There's always something to work work on. Um, something might pop up that you see during a game. So it's it's a it's a constant trying to make adjustments and 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 get them to be the best they can be. Was there more communication this summer with these guys? I mean, both of them left injured. Yeah. Um, and concerning with both of them with some of the injuries they had. So did you communicate more with them this summer? The same was training different for them throughout the summer? And, you know, were you, I guess, extremely pleased when they arrived back and feeling the way they were? Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd probably say maybe maybe a little more just because, like you said, they, you know, uh, especially with Rance, like he got hurt uh, the last game at Boston. So he kind of went into the summer. Um rehabbing freddie was kind of pretty close to getting back um so yeah i mean they go back to rances in finland freddie spends time and you know a little bit in europe and then he's in, in california so i'm just checking up to make sure first of all health wise they're good obviously um and then you know what they're doing in terms of getting ready for the season and making sure that they're they're dialed in so when they come into camp we can hit the ground running 
Oh, you kind of gave the answer to this. Was it maybe a little bit easier in that communication department because, like you said, you knew they were coming back, so you had a whole year to work with them. So maybe it was a little bit yeah. easier to to get across. Yeah, what you for wanted. sure. Yeah, um, it, it is easier when you have you know the guys returning, right? And uh, they know what I'm I'm all about. I know what they're all about. So in terms of that, you know, that stuff where you're you're trying to fill each other out because you haven't been around each other. We didn't have to do that this year, which is, you know, for, for me and I'm sure for them was, was a bonus. We always talk about in the offseason, and Shane, you know this, forwards, defensemen, you're skating, you're, you're working on your shot, you're doing this. What do you have your goaltenders do in the offseason? Like, I mean, how much do, how much do you want them taking shots in, in the offseason or doing work like that? Well, I always tell them when the season's over, they, you know, they, they should take some time off um, for, the, for, for their body, right? And we always say, like, recalibrate your body. Like, you know, if there's injuries or, you know, I think over the course of, ask Billy B this, but over the course of the season, you know, I think maybe you lose a little bit of strength or whatever. So you kind of have to regain that over the, the course of the summer. In terms of the skating stuff, I think it's a it's a huge part of, of goaltending because it's, it's the one time where you can focus on what you need to do 100% of the time, right? Um, you know, you, we, we do that in practice in the regular season, but obviously you got your forwards, you got your defensemen. <clears throat> Roddy's doing different drills that are for, you know, um, in the summertime, it's, it's like focus on your game. You know, we try to come up before they leave. We try to, you know, talk about, okay, what do we want to work on here? Um, you know, there's always the things like skating and, and puck tracking, a constant. Um, but yeah, in the summertime, and they have guys that they work with in the summer. Um, so I, you know, you have to have a relationship with those guys somewhat. Um, but it's huge for them to just kind of focus on their game. The game, we talk about the game changing, the speed of players and how the defense play now. What impresses you most about today's goaltenders in the league, Freddie and Ronce being two of the best, but even around the league, you look at games night in and night out, watch the Rangers-Islanders game last yeah. night. I mean, what a battle between the pipes. What is ultimately what has changed but what impressed you most about these guys well you said like the quickness and and the movement um when if the play's faster they have to be fast if if they're if they're not you know if they're a step behind it's going to show right uh and the one thing that's actually impressive too is some of these guys are like six four six five six six and you know i'm thinking like 10 15 years ago where you have a big goalie you could tell that you know mobility and stuff like that it, it was it wasn't there now you see these guys around the league that, you know, Freddie's 6'4", he moves just as good as a guy that's 5'11", right? So the training and stuff in the offseason and just how things have come along. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. Like, the quickness and, and how fast they have to move, how fast they have to read the play is impressive. Uh, when it goes to reading the play, I, I'm going to try to draw an analogy here. Let me know if I'm wrong. Like, for baseball, pitchers have a book on hitters. You know, they know what they where they want to hit, what they want to do. How does a goalie, can a goalie have a book on, you know, what Connor McDavid's going to do, what Sebastian is going to do? do? How tough is it to be cognizant of because the speed of the game, but all right, well, I know if this is Sebastian Ajo, to have that in the back of their mind, he's going to do this move or he's going to shoot from here. How do goalies, yeah. how, do you, how do you reinforce that or how do goalies, I guess, put that in the Rolodex yeah. of this is who's who? It's a good question, and, and – um... I think they do naturally, uh, especially for a guy that's been around for a while. They kind of, they kind of, you know, some tendencies. For me, there's two ways you can do this, and there's two types of goalie coaches. There's the guys that really believe in um, the preparation and pregame in terms of, you know, player X does this, player Y does this. If he comes when he comes over the blue line on the right side, he likes to cut to his left, and if he cuts to his left and he doesn't have a pass, then he's going to shoot high blocker. There's that type of guy. And then I, I lean the other way because I think if you – like I want them to go in net and play. Just go play. Rely on what you do best. Trust yourself and just read and react. So if I put too much of that in their head about who's going to do what, and like, like Shane said, the game's so fast, yeah. right? So I think they're at their best when they just go in net and they read and react and, and just trust themselves. I think that's when they get the best results. Well, and I think the perfect example of that in – I mean, the game is all about mistakes, and the goaltenders make those mistakes yeah. too, but it's not because of effort or anything like that. And you go back to the goal that Ron's give up in Calgary, yeah. right? He looks right. He sees where the pass is probably going to go. So when his mind goes, I have to go a little early, if this thing gets to him, this guy's going to hammer it. Yeah. And it's just that, I mean, how far do you lean? Six inches off the post? 
and it ends up in the back of the net. This isn't something they're trying to do, but as you mentioned, instead of just having that feel and the belief in playing, that's a read where he almost overreads the play there. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, and we talked about, we, we often say, you have to anticipate mentally. You can't always anticipate physically. And that was a perfect example. So he's on his post. He looks to his right side. He sees there's a pass there. The guy goes in the corner, just turns and fires it. And he, and he, he over-anticipated. He, he thought he knew what the guy was going to do before he did it. And he thought he was going to make a pass, like you said. So he leaves his post early, and the guy shoots it, fires it on net, and he gets caught. Right, so, yeah, hundred percent. Like if you ask Rance, that's that's a that, that's a goal he's got to have, right? But yeah, you you have to just trust yourself and and know that whatever happens, you have the tools to to come back and make a save. With video now, I mean that is prevalent for everything. Like you can, you know, Shane, you could go and look at a shift ten seconds after it happens. With you, Paul, how much of it is positive reinforcement versus? Uh, you got to show the negative as well. How do you how do you balance that when you're showing, you know, any of your goalies a, a clip of what to do and where to get better? Yeah, I do. Like I, I try to keep it positive. Um, there's gonna in every game, like I said, there's gonna be something's gonna pop up where they need to get better, or they, ha- you know, something's going on. But I always, if if I have five negative clips, I have ten positive clips, and just reinforcing what they do well. Um, because they need to see it, right? And we do we do video after after every game. Like there's there's never a game where I don't do video because um, we're always trying to get better. But yeah, you're 100 percent right. Is a lot of it is the positive stuff because it's not just about what you did wrong or what you need to do better, but it's what you did right. Why does every goaltender in history remember every goal that was ever scored yeah. on them? Like you don't have to show no. them; they know everything yeah. about it. Yeah, no, 100 percent. The goals, especially. Uh, the other the other thing too is for video is sometimes you know I'll see something, uh, and it works both ways. And I'll you know after the game we'll chat because we don't do video like right after the game. It's usually the next day, and I'll say you got to do this or you should have did this. And he's like, well, I kind of saw it different. And then I go back and look at it, and I'm like, you know what, you're right, I get it. Or I saw something he thinks he did. You know, yeah. uh, no, I didn't do that. And then we look at it, and he's like, oh yeah. You, right you know so it works both ways where i might misread something and he's right or you know vice versa it's almost like you mike with your good golf shots you remember all of those it's oh, much easier when you, you only have four yes, of them in your yes. entire it's life it's easy to, to recall to them yeah. yes absolutely. Um, you know steve smith used to describe it former assistant coach as giving out a big crap sandwich the bread was the good you put a little crap in the middle yeah. which you got to finish it off with some good at the end and every player is like that whether it's a forward or a goaltender you have to be able to show them constructive criticism, them yeah. to see it, understand it, but then show them all the positive stuff yeah. so they have that going back out on the ice. For sure. And I, I like I don't want them to leave, you know, after a video session, I don't want them to leave thinking like I didn't do anything right. Right. You yeah. know, and now, you know, we have another game to play. I want them to leave the, you know, leaving understanding what we have to do to get better, but also realize like hey, I did some good things and I gotta keep doing those good things. Like it's not always just the negative. One of the things I want to talk about was we talk about training and tools you have that we take on the ice. I'm always looking for new tools for the summer camp. And you've brought out, uh, I'm not even the name, but I'm going to, it looks like a tripod, three yeah, big it legs, is. Yeah, tripod, uh, yeah. three thick foam legs, a tripod style. You put it out in front of the goaltender a little bit, but I always looked at it. And I was thinking when you brought it out, I'm like, Oh, it's a great tool for the goaltenders because he's got to pick up the puck coming through legs, sticks, whatever it might be. But then in talking to you, you talked about the benefit of a player and coming up, how he's using a defenseman as a screen because he can't just shoot it. It's going to hit the post. He's got to get it through those areas yeah. um, to get the shot through. And I saw, you know, Andre Svechikov scored a huge goal on the road trip by firing it, utilizing the defenseman as a screen. So talk about that tool, where you found it. Number one, people might want to buy this thing. I might want to buy one. But where well, – If that it, comes in, we've got to get Paul a cut of right, that just so you know. Right. Are you on Instagram? You could be a influencer, as they say. Okay. Or just send it to uh, Shane's Venmo, and he'll pay yeah, it out to you that all way. All Venmos so. come to me. Um but talk about the benefit of the goaltender one, yep. then also from the player side of things coming in as they work together. Yeah, uh, in terms of that that particular that tool, tool yes. Yeah. Um, so, well, first of all, traffic is such a big part of the game, right? So, you know, we want to do things in practice that replicate the traffic. Now, I don't want to put Jord, you know, Jordo <laughs> or or these guys in front of the net because they're gonna, you know, they might get hit. So that's a great tool to use. Um, I mean, you could rip pucks off it. It's not going to break or whatever. And the goalies are, you know, they're, they're working on seeing pucks through traffic. Sometimes I won't even have them uh, shoot like, you know, directly through it. It's just 
going around it. So you're gonna lo- you're gonna lose the puck at a certain time. Then you got to regain the track and then and make the save. Uh, but yeah, Gleese has used it for his defenseman. Obviously, you know they get the puck at the point. Um, you got to you got to shoot pucks around bodies, right? Uh, on the power play, you know, like Svetch will come downhill sometimes. He's got to shoot, like you said, around bodies. So that's a tool that you everybody can use, um, and, and it's been great so far. Yeah, I like it. That's an awesome tool. Like yeah. you said, the footwork for a defenseman, yeah. getting through trap, all of those things, so versatile in so yeah, many different areas. 100%. Well, the the one thing about the position, it seems like it's constantly changing. You know, and and the goaltending position. Used to be, you know, if you grew up in the '70s and '80s, if you were over six foot tall, well, you're not going to play goalie. You're going to you're going to play out. And yeah. now it's it's changed around. So with that, how much do you have to be on top of trends change or the mindset that you had of like this works? Well, you've got to find out. Well, maybe this isn't going to work. And especially you have two different goaltenders as far as the size goes to here. How much do you like? Well, this I know will work for Frederick, but it might not work for Auntie. How do you how do you balance that? Because you. You want to teach them both at the same time, but yeah. at the same time, they're going to learn different things based on how they're built. For sure. Just in terms of the the, the changing of the position, I and I might be a little bit biased because I'm a goalie coach, but I think it's probably the one position in hockey that has made that has changed drastically over the course of you know 15 to 20 years. Um, there's probably I, like it's I don't want to say it's slowing down because it is it's constantly changing, but. Like maybe ten years ago, five ten years ago, if you didn't pay attention to goaltending, like if you were a goalie coach and you didn't pay attention for a year, when you came back, it you, it changes. Like if you're out of it and then you came back, you'd be like, whoa, what? You know, it, everything's drastically changing. Um, but yeah, like uh, we have, I always tell these guys, I know you're gonna do. You're, Freddie's not going to do everything that Rance is going to do. Rance isn't going to do everything that Freddie's going to do, right? So sometimes it's the same. So I always tell them, do what you feel is right, what you're comfortable with. If it doesn't work on a consistent basis, yeah. then it's time for us to sit down together and come up with another other solution, right? Um, so you'll see, like, they, they, they're similar in, in some ways, but they're very different in other ways. Right. Um, so I try to find what works for them. And I, and I always want them to feel like they have a handle on their own game. It's not just me telling them when the puck is here, you got to do this. When the, you know, when this guy goes here, you got to do this. Like they, I want them to feel like they're out there playing the way they want to play. Um, but yeah, they're, they're different in some ways, but similar in others. You just answered this because when you say they're different in some ways, but is there for you, Paul, there's a core way, a fundamental way of this is how you have to play the position and it doesn't matter size or athletic ability or what goes into it, or the way that the position is played. is like you say, I, I can't go in there because what I think would be comfortable is not going to be comfortable to somebody else. Yeah, I, I think I, I call them like non-negotiables. Um, I don't have a lot of them, but I think in terms of it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, you know, how big you are, how small you are, how, you know, skating for us, uh, and I think every goalie coach around the league will tell you, you have to be able to move. If you, if you can't move, you're going to get killed. Uh, and it goes back to what you mentioned about the speed of the game. So every day we work on movement stuff. So the movement part of it, non-negotiable. You have to be able to do it, and you have to do it the best of your ability. Puck tracking, obviously, is a huge thing because once you move and get in position, and if you're in position and set, the next thing to do is to make a save. So we work a lot on, on puck tracking. Um, but again, like I said, there's different aspects of the game that might work for Freddie and not work for Rance. And if it works for them, I'm good with it. I think the difference, and you'll know this best from these two players, and I just want one thing that you see daily. What is one of the best things about Freddie Anderson as a goaltender? And what is one best thing about Rance that makes him a great goaltender? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with Rance. I, I think he, he has his flexibility and his athleticism. Um, and I think what, what I like about him is he, he uses it at the right time. So he doesn't rely on it too much, but he has the ability when, if maybe he's late on a play, uh, we see a lot of times like at a two-on-one, if it's a, back, a quick backdoor pass, uh, he has the ability to get really wide, take away the bottom of the net, and, and be flexible and athletic. Uh, and, and that's a huge trait for him. Um, with with Freddie, I like that he's, he's just calm and composed. He's, he's got a huge frame. And he moves well enough where he can get in position and just kind of almost allow pucks to hit him when he needs to. And and because of that movement, he's able to move. He's he's able to stay calm and compact. I I completely agree. I think when you see Freddie 
making the proper movements, but yeah. looks like he's almost asleep. Yeah. Make it look easy. It's yeah. you almost go back to their team and be like, you, just so you know, you have no chance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to watch a, a man, like you said, a man that size move that effortlessly yeah. from post to post or get where he needs to. But it also, the number one question that Rod Brindamore gets all the time, but now we can put you into the, the crosshairs for it, is the how do you determine who's a starting goaltender for tonight? And, you know, it used to be real easy. We're going to throw this guy 65 times, 70 times a year. It's not uh, the best thing. It's not the way it's it's pretty much done with anybody anymore. So how much do you rely on what you're seeing, what the coaching staff is seeing, the opposition, but more importantly, what, what Freddie or Auntie have to say about do they go tonight or do they not? How much goes into that decision on, on who's going to get the nod? Because sometimes, you know, the, the armchair – Coaches are like, oh, you're going to play him. It's a no-brainer. But the decision is to go with somebody else. What goes yeah. into it, and how does it work? A, it's a combination of a lot of different things. Um, you know, travel, schedule, obviously a back-to-back. Like, we've got a back-to-back coming up here, and, and you know, the chances are both guys are going to play. Um, and then, obviously, just, you know, maybe sometimes, you know, the team that you're playing, the success that they have against certain teams, um, that will go into it. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, what I see, uh, Roddy will talk about it. What Roddy sees is super important, uh, and we'll make a decision from there. But it's not just one clear-cut answer. It's, it's yeah. There's a couple different things that go into play with that. But how good is it for a coaching staff to have a head coach who he's going to take your input and not be, oh, well, thanks for that, Paul. But uh, everybody who we talk to, he wants the input, and he listens to it. Just what does that do for the team, for the coaching staff, and you know, for you? Yeah. Like, okay, if, he, if I tell him something, he's going to listen to me on this. Yeah, I mean – I don't think it's no secret. Everybody talks about how great Roddy is. Um, just from a standpoint of being a goalie coach, I mean, I couldn't ask for a better situation. To be honest with you, it's uh, he 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 takes my you know my feedback, and obviously he's the boss. He's going to make the end decision. But uh, yeah, he's great. Like there, I have like, I mean, there's zero issues with you know a working relationship. He is he is the best. Like he makes it easy, but he also makes me feel like I'm important. I'm a big you know I'm a piece of the puzzle. And, uh, you know, he takes my, takes my feedback and make decisions from there. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the youngster, and Piotr Kochetka, mm-hmm. um, and your thoughts on him, how he's playing so far in Chicago, and kind of really his ceiling. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of his. Um, he, he's kind of, you know, some of these, the, the, the Russian goaltending around the league that you see these guys are having – a lot of success, um, you know, obviously Vassy in Tampa and, and Igor in New York and Sorokin and the island, like these guys, they're very dynamic. Uh, I mean, this is a longer conver- conversation, but. Oh, we've got time, Paul. Yeah, Go right ahead. You know, these these guys that come from, they're, they're trained different over there. And it's a, it's a, I don't want to say they don't have the coaching because they do have the goalie coaching, but their maybe their philosophies and, and what they focus on are, are a little bit different than what we normally do in North America. When they're younger, I think they're left on their, on their own a lot. Um, and they're not too structured. So they have to figure things out on their own. Uh, and I have some, a little bit of experience with this because, you know, five, six years ago, we, we'd get a bunch of Russian guys in the summertime and the main reason why they would come over here is because they felt like they were getting the structure part of the game and they were like really athletic. And that, and that's, and that's Peter. Like he's, he's got, he's super athletic and he can do things that, I mean, he can be in the full splits and still have the ability to move side to side, which is extremely hard to do with him. It's just reining him in a little bit and adding that structure to the athleticism. So he doesn't have to rely on it 99% of the time. It's like 40% of the time. Um, he's got good size. He can skate. He reads the play well. Uh, ceiling wise, I'd like to say he's a, he's he's a he's going to be a number one guy. I mean, you know, goaltending is a is a funny thing. It's hard to predict too far into the future. Um, but we got a little taste of that last year. Um, he came in. I think he went like three and zero in the regular season. Played some pretty good games, and then got a sniff in the playoffs, and and uh, and, and played quite well in the playoffs. So. He's on track to be, you know, I think a number one guy, and he's spent a little bit more time in the American League, and and uh, you know, one day hopefully he's he's between the pipes here. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. extremely athletic. I remember calling to games, Mike, with you, yeah. and being like, well, "Where is he going?" 
like all over the place, yeah. but just making save after save and obviously enjoying every minute of it. Yeah, and it, well, there and there's so many questions off of this. Like we could keep you honestly, Paul. I we've got to wrap this up with you a little bit. I could keep you an hour just on on that subject. Uh, I, I watched him play, and you're like, okay, there's some flashes of what you see. You're here in North America. You get Russian goaltenders and Finnish goaltenders and Danish goaltenders and all these guys coming through. How do you – I know with Freddie and, and Auntie, they've got the English language down. How do you communicate with a guy who might understand four or five words of what you're trying to tell him? Yeah. Off the ice, Google Translate has been huge for me. Sometimes I'd have to use Sergei Samsonov, you know, get, get Sergei on the phone. On the ice is a little bit easier because I think he gets the visual of, like, I'll say, you know, you got to do this or you got to put your foot here, and he can see it so he understands it, right? Um, so on the ice is a little bit easier. Off the ice, yeah, like he Google Translate. And I even tried a couple times, like, writing stuff out in Russian, which he laughed at because <laughs> I guess the tra- the translation wasn't the same. So he was like, no, 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 that's not. But, yeah, it's, it's harder for sure. Yeah. And, and that's an area, uh, again, like him – you know, being in the American League and stuff, like the off-ice component of it, that's yeah. that's the other area, like the English stuff. The more he can he can speak English, the easier it's going to be for him. Is there any other Russians in Chicago right now? I think there's, I want to say... Yep. Uh, I believe Panamarov is oh, yeah. in yeah, Chicago. There, and yeah. then, uh, I forget his name, he did la- lacrosse goal in uh, um, Passion. Yes, Passion, yes. Passion's there. Alexander Passion's yeah. there. So, yeah. yeah so, they so. Got, there's three of them there. I think sometimes they need to be separated Yeah, because they kind of get like... They get like in a little group, and then yeah. they just speak Russian all the time, right? Yeah. So I think if you separate them a little bit, make them and speak, force yeah. them to kind of speak English, would be that's just my opinion. But um, but yeah, there's a couple there for sure. Uh, I'm glad that you use the word passion because Piotr certainly has oh, that. Yeah. How much do you love seeing goalies who have that fire, or is that one of the things when you say we got to tamp some stuff down? You're like, you can't you can't play that hot all the time. Or some guys, that's just how they yeah. got to how I they got to run. I, I love the passion for sure. Uh, I think. You know that type of like, I think it's passion. It's 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 compete. It's the willingness to win and and just be the best. Like I I mean I could be like that's hard to teach. Yeah. You know you can't really you can't really teach it. I'd rather dial a guy back a little bit, and just kind of be like, hey, you gotta you know take her down a notch. Um, but I welcome it. Like I love his passion and and I mean in the playoffs there he goes after. Marshan, Marshan, and then you know when he went over to the American League, the first couple of games he got, you know, someone ran into him, and he's, you know, now he's calling the bench on like that stuff. Maybe you gotta like, you know, <laughs> dial it down a little bit, but it all comes from it comes from a a place of compete and battle and wanting to be the best. And sometimes he, you know, maybe he goes a little bit too far, but I rather have it have it that way than trying to get a guy like ramped up and and ready to go. He he's full of it for sure. Well, Freddie's healthy in the playoffs. I mean, we could dress Piotr on the fourth line and yeah, just go. have him go. Yeah, I mean, if, 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 if we get if we get, get if we draw Boston again, yeah, yeah. just saying. I yeah. mean, he's not afraid. And uh, evidently, the Iowa team down in the uh, AHL right. figured that one out yeah. as he yeah. challenged. Wanted nothing so. to do with him. Yeah. So and yeah, nobody and nobody yeah, took nobody him. So Paul, first off, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and talk this. And again. We could, I could talk goaltending all day. Uh, Shane has some goaltenders he'd like you to send some notes to him saying that they Anytime. should have let more goals in so he could have. Oh, okay, there you just go. Just saying. A yeah. couple of guys out there that you played against. Yeah, there's a few. Just saying. There's probably more than a few. I would say that. But uh, one last thing. I know it's we're in the middle of, of this season where the team won the Jennings Trophy. And, and I say the team, but it is a goaltender's award that Auntie and, and Freddie split for the fewest goals allowed. How much pride does – I know those men having it, but you're their goaltender coach and then the organization because it really is. That's one of those you look at it. That really is a, a team award it that is. the Canes won that. Yeah, 100%. I'm glad you said that because even though the goalies kind of get you know credit for it or their name goes on the trophy, I mean, if it's not the you know attention to detail by all the forwards and the defensemen and what Roddy puts in place as a system and those guys making sure that they do it to the best of their ability, I mean – None of that happens, right? Um, yeah, I take pride in it for sure. Uh, anytime you know you're a part of a team that has the lowest goals against, and the goalies are a part of it or a piece of the puzzle, for sure, I take pride in it. I mean, at the end of the day, those guys go out there and do the work. You know, they're they're the ones that put the work in. Um, but uh, for sure, it's something that I think the whole organization should. You know, the, the forwards, the defense, the management. You know, obviously, like I said, Roddy, like that's a that's a team award for sure. 
Uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Uh, and again, he is higher on the list because he came up to the office to do this. Quicker invite back. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> anytime, boys. Anytime. Uh, the, the office is yours anytime yeah, you need it, Paul. Perfect. I appreciate it. You that. need to hang meat, anything at all. It gets cool up here. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It it gets in. We're in the summertime. If you need a sauna, yeah. you know the fins often are are oh, up in here go. for whatever reason. So, thanks again. <laughs> Thank you. Great insight. I mean, as we we talked about after, I mean, we could have went for hours easily. I still have like twenty five more questions. There's I could so ask Paul. there's so many things that you know. It's always great to go watch the Canes practice, and you get watch you like ah, oh, there's you know this Andre Svechnikov and Svechnikov, just. ISO cam the goaltenders and watch what they do and watch what Paul does with them on a daily basis. It's, it is a, what's the right word? The position is just such a unique, unique, fine tuned, you know, just an area of the game that these guys see differently and the way they're built and the way they move. I mean, it's like a symphony. Yeah. But the the weird thing for me is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you you coach up front, you ask forwards pretty much to do the same thing. No, no matter how they're built, you understand that a six foot three, two hundred and five pound guy is going to be able to do some things that you know the five yeah. t- the five ten guy can't. But at the same time, but it's the tenets of the game. You know, going in on the four check, being able to do this, those are the same. Goaltender. You know, if it's me and you, he's got to coach us differently. The way that yeah. we we work, we're built what we do. And then you throw into the fact that when the guys who grow up in Europe come over aren't coached the way that they're coached here in North America or the structure. Just great insight to that. So any uh, aspiring goaltenders out there, hope you tuned into it. But, I mean, I loved it. And I love talking about it because, again, there's no one way. I have, a, I have got a really quick story if I can share with you. Uh, back in the day, I don't throw this card out much. But I, um, I worked for the coaching staff for the Buffalo Sabres in 1996-97, and the goaltending coach was Mitch Korn, who a lot of people would say is a goaltender whisperer. And he had two goaltenders that year that he worked with, Dominic Hoshik, I'm sure you've heard of his name. Solid. And most of the fans who are tuning in have heard of that as well. And Steve Shields, who was the, the backup. And I, you say backup because Dominic Hoshik was going to play 65, 70 games. And I asked Mitch one day, I was a you know, youngster at the time, this is 20-plus years ago, I go, how do you coach them? I'm like, do you coach them the same or do you coach them differently? That's why I asked that question for Paul with, you know, how you go about it with uh, Freddie and, and Auntie. And Mitch Korn, he's got a great sense of humor, goes, well, it's a good question, Michael. Here's how it works. With Steve, I go over fundamental things. We work on a lot of things. We do some video review. Uh, I make sure that he stays focused on, on what he has to do to play goal. With Dominic, I ask him, how is he doing? Does he need a cup of coffee? <laughs> He goes, and that's how I coached him. It was, and then he got into it. He goes, no, there's more to it. Yeah. He goes, but he goes, I can't coach Steve Shields the way that I totally you know, coach Dominic Hoshik. He goes, it's two different players. He goes, because I can't ask Steve Shields to do what Dominic Hoshik does. Right. So, and I think And that, as Paul said, he said, there are a couple of things that I'm a no-change, no-go zone on that I'm going to push on both of them. Exactly. And this then is my, yeah. I have to work on the these things differently. Right, the yeah. non-negotiables. But to me, and you talk about aspiring goaltenders out there to listen and, and work on those things – how about aspiring and right now coaches? Like you have to be able to read your players. And just the same as you talked about forwards. I can't go tell a 6'4 kid that isn't as fast as a 5'2 kid to go do this. That's not going to be his game. It's not ever going to be his yeah. game. So why should I coach him like that? And, you know, he, Paul also talked about, you know, working with Rod and how great it is and the way Rod treats all of them. That's what make Paul a great goaltender coach. Why Tim Gleason is a great defensive mm-hmm. coach. Why Jeff Daniels behind the bench. And people ask me all the time, like, what's Jeff like? He looks so quiet. I said, the most in-tune guy in the game, but knows how to talk to a player. That's what makes all these guys great. And and just hearing, like we said, we could have went for a long time sure. listening to Paul and just, I mean, we didn't have to ask questions. He could just kept going with what he does because he's so in tune with both Freddie Anderson and Auntie Ronta, and it's just, you see it night in, night out. Yeah, um, that uh, leads us to, we've had Tim and Paul. I believe we have to get 
Jeff Daniels on the uh, the podcast now. The veteran. We'll get him. <laughs> the veteran will come up. We'll get him up in the uh, up in the booth, and then we'll get Tim up here too. So we'll be set because Tim will have to make the reappearance up here in the office. Yeah, he'll get the whole frosty experience. When do we go for the big guy? Whenever. I mean, he listens. Well, I know, but we're going to have to bring. We'll have to bring. Yeah. This is where we have to bring. We're going to make a rule. It's in the office. We have to start bringing hors d'oeuvres. No, we can. No, we'll bring. <laughs> if Rod wants to do this on the moon, we'll figure out a way to get to the moon to do this. The moon. Just saying. They have planes for that now. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be allowed. I don't know if we're getting to the moon if I'm on that ride. We landed ship. on the moon. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you. There we go. Uh, <laughs> oh, we digress. So, all right, let's let's. Is there anything in the early portion of the NHL season that shocked you? Anybody's record, anything like that that you look at? Or a couple that dumpster fire in Chicago is not playing too bad. <laughs> hey, Luke Richardson saying we're supposed to tank. I didn't get the memo. <laughs> Three and two. Um, no, nah, no real super shockers out there. Do love seeing Andre Svechikov tied for the gold lead yeah. in the National Hockey League. Not a surprise though. Shouldn't be a surprise that uh, he is trusting his shot more. I had a great conversation with him after his hat trick. And, of course, he was he's scored a hat trick, so players are happy about that. But he wasn't happy that it came in a loss. You know, it would be right. better. But I can ask you, because this is going to sound so elementary to people. I asked him, were you shooting to score on those? Were you looking for something specific on – on Campbell or were you and he goes the first shot I just wanted to shoot it as hard as I could because of the way that it was set up and see what happens and he blasts it through Campbell and then he goes the next shot I believe that was the one you were referencing when we talked with Paul where he used the defenseman as a screen and goes around him and picks it off the bar and and it goes in off the the post and then down but when I ask a, a shooter and you were a shooter Shane were you always shooting for an area, or are there some times where you're like, no, I'm just going to lean into this, and I'm going to hammer it as hard as I can, and maybe it goes through somebody? And, and how, do you, how do you say when you're going to do one versus the other? Time and space uh, is a big factor because if you have a little bit more time, you can be a little bit more precise. There are also times when pucks are getting past you, whether it's through a seam or a quick. I always used to tell myself, don't worry about being so precise. Just how quick can you get at the net? Because the goalie's in motion. And if you hold it too long and you allow him to get set, he has an advantage on you. So just getting it off quickly towards the net, as hard as you can, was all you wanted to do. <laughs> I remember one game here, uh, we were playing the Caps, and Colsey was in net, so he was a big goaltender. But I always remember him going down. He had a low glove. Um, and so I was skating out of our zone, I was done. I was like, give me off. I need a shift change. And I remember passing it to Roddy in the middle. Thinking, oh, Rod's just going to get the red line. He'll dump it anyway, and we'll get off. And I took another stride, and he quickly bumped it back to me. <laughs> and I am, I mean, puffing. And so I keep going down the boards, and the he stayed in the middle, so the defenseman gave me a little bit of room. But as I come across the blue, and I'm like, I just got to hit this as hard as I can. Like, Maybe it'll hit Colzig. Hopefully he catches it. We just get a whistle. And I remember just putting it down. My head was down and ha- hard as I could. Hammered it. It went in the top corner. And, you know, we all went. I remember getting back to the bench. I was like, I was about to throw up. I was so tired. I'm like, I just want you to dump it in. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but we scored. I was just like, no idea how that went in. Didn't look at the net. Just hammered it. But those those are situations. You yeah. don't always have time to say, there's that little spot I'm going to put it in. You know, coming down the wing, using a five-hole. I think Sidney Crosby is one of the best at it. Yeah. Um, everyone talks about this lack of curve on his stick. But I remember watching him in shootouts and everything and how quickly he can just move those wrists and it's through the five-hole. And, yes, he's going for the five-hole. It doesn't have to be hard, but a lot of demon are just hammering away to get at the net. So time and space to me is how you decide on what you're going to do. I love the screen shooting through the defenseman. As we were talking about the tripod thing that Paul uses now, I did that as a player thinking of, like, how can I just make one little move and fire it through the defenseman's legs because the goalie's it's going to take him a second to pick it up. And the guy I patterned that after and watching, who I thought was one of the best at it, was Steve Eiserman. 
He would do it all the time. Come across, he would make one quick move, but then fire it past legs. It's hard to pick up. So, and, and Andre's doing it more and more now. Marty Natchez find that confidence in his shot. And, and you see it around the league with guys who can who can unleash it at the right time. Yeah, and I'm I'm not surprised with the, the seven goals for him because every year it keeps going higher and higher, the, the ladder of how good he can be. Somebody asked me, what's the ceiling for him? I'm, I don't think there is one. He's going to be as good as he wants to be, Andrei Svechnikov. Great to see Sebastian Ajo off to the start. He had a point on every game in the trip, so he's on a five-game point streak when uh, the Islanders roll into town by the time of hearing this, which I believe we are releasing this podcast the morning of this game. So oh, enjoy. pregame, yeah. pregame pod. A little pregame pod gets you ready for everything, uh, so you're all set. But I, I just look at, at how those are rolling in. little early question for you, though, as far as scoring goes. When do you get concerned when you look at the score sheet and you're like, I don't have enough on the on the stat sheet next to my name? As a player? Yes. It's still early. That's ten, why I, I want the player. that We're doing this because I want the player side of it. Because as you know, Shane. I would say at the 10 Fans game, are rational. Nobody ever worries about one game without a goal or something like well, that. Well, the one thing I used to do too was almost go in 10-game segments. Right, so play little mini series. It's hard to really. Yes, you set your goals on eighty-two, but that's a long time, right? So minimize that into a window that's reasonable to yourself. And mine was ten games. So I think if you were to get to ten, and you had like, oh one, you know, not a lot of shots, that's concerning you. Now, if you have a bagel in the goal category, but you got in ten games, you got forty some shots, you're getting your chance. Just they're not going in. But if the shots are down, then you you know start wearing on yourself yeah. a little bit more. Any time, and any player in this league will tell you, the earlier you score, the better you are in the season. So, you know, again, the good part for the Hurricanes, the guys who don't have one yet, been in this game a long time. Yeah, It's not a rookie sitting there trying to grind away and we need to get this kid one. This team is fine with these guys who will eventually find one, and, you know, we might see that. Tonight, tomorrow night, whatever night yeah. this is, uh, against the Islanders. Well, I mean, tonight and tomorrow night because it is back-to-back. Right. Uh, taking on the Philadelphia Flyers on Saturday right after that. So you've already covered this as a player. You just want to play. You just want to get to this. Uh, how difficult is it early on to get into sync, get into a rhythm, to get back to remember, oh, this is how I have to play a, a, you know, an 82-game yeah. schedule? It is tough, and I think you'd rather rip through four or five games in a tight span even if you come out of five games and you're three and two, you're you're in a good spot. The Hurricanes come out with a better record, but again, they're still like, can we play? Like we are just floating around Canada. Let's get home and let's get this thing going. And that's that's a little bit of the mindset of the Carolina Hurricanes too. And you hear it in Rod when he speaks. He's like, we just want to play. Like these guys don't want to listen to me and watch video for two days in between games. They want to jump right back on that horse and, and get at it. So I've got one of these for you. If you like it, you can oh. take it. If you don't, send it right back. Hurricanes right now are 4-1-1. One, and one. Yes. Got three games left here in the month of October. Oh, baby. Islanders tonight or Friday or yesterday, whenever you uh, got this. Philadelphia tomorrow or today or whenever you're listening to this. And then Washington on Halloween on Monday. So it's three Metro Division opponents. Six points on the line. The Carolina Hurricanes already are already 1-0. and oh against the Metro Division, winning on opening night. Mm -hmm. The Hurricanes will have, by the time Halloween is done and we get to November 1st, they will be 7-1-1, meaning they sweep their three Metro brethren. Now, you can you can throw in an, you know, an overtime loss if you want well, to. I, that's where I was going. I was going to go with five points out of six. That's fine. You can take whatever you want. I'm, Are you gonna, but I'm going, I'm, going, I'm, going, I'm going six points. Oh, they're winning two of the three for sure. Sure. But I think they're going to go three three for three. I'm going to jump in the boat with you. Thank you. As well, you should. We just looked like the two guys of Wedding Crashers. Yes, we did. We announced it's wedding season. <laughs> 52 long, Papa Ganoush special. Right, because you look at the game against the Islanders, it's not going to be wide open. It's going to be tight. No, it'll be tight. You know, the Islanders play in the same way. But when you look at these three games and when you – if you were, if you enjoyed playing, you know, in different states about hockey, like which which one of these teams are you fearful of that you're not going to be in? No, you're going to be in 
You're all right. Of the game. That's what I'm saying. That's you're gonna be all the game. So why wouldn't you say I'm taking six? The because it's hard to win in this league. There's no, no, easy no games. doubt. I think that's why. But the reason why I go with that is you've got two games at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the the rest in between. But you've talked about this before. Sometimes the hardest game is that first game back after a road trip like this. That is the overhanging cloud of this game because everyone's getting oh the, after a road trip everyone gets smoked. Wow. This team's been here for a couple. I don't. I don't. With this team, I don't see that happening. No, I don't. I don't either. I see a lot of speed coming out of the gate Friday night against the Islanders. And I think. I think having the three days in between the road trip and now playing the Islanders, that's going to actually be helpful as opposed to where we've just been talking about a rhythm where it could normally, you know, get you out of your schedule, get mm. you out of what you're used to. Mm. No, you come back from that road trip. It was a long travel day on Tuesday to come back. And then you've got practice, practice, game time, let's go. Uh, and then you go and play Philly. By the way, your former coach, John Tortorella, if we're talking about surprises for the early season, I will throw this out here. A couple of teams, you throw Chicago, not an absolute dumpster fire. Because <laughs> they're not. They're, you know, well, Philadelphia may be a little surprised, too. Philly, I think that people were looking at where was there going to be free lunch in the Metro What's Division. Philly? Oh, Three Philly. And Four and two. Four and two. John Tortorella. I mean, a couple of things. Effect. One thing that doesn't surprise me, he benched two of his best players for a whole period the other night. Because that's what he does. Doesn't surprise me. You know, gets the message across. But I, for me, the surprise for the early going, the Flyers are 4-2. and two. Yeah. I did watch. I mean, they beat Tampa, lost a hard-fought battle in Florida, but then beat Nashville. Carter Hart. What a night that was. Well, people forget the year that the season got put on pause and then everything got moved up to the bubble in Edmonton and Toronto to complete the, the playoffs. Carter Hart had a fantastic season. And the one thing, if you take a look at John Tortorella coach teams, almost everywhere he's been, Shane, the goaltending has been good. They got the Panthers at home tonight, which is Thursday when we're taping this. Yeah. Then they have the day off. Then they have the Canes. Canes go back to back. Yeah, Canes playing back to back. So, a quick roadie up to Philly. But I'm I threw that out there and I'm going to stand by. The it. Bruins shock you at all with all those injuries? Yes, the Bruins absolutely do. That they don't six have six and one. That they that's six and one is what shocks me. Not a winning record because Krejci came back. They still have Bergeron, but no Marsh, no Marsh, no, no, no McAvoy. McAvoy. Those are the the two big ones. Yeah, but they're playing. You know, they're they're playing solid hockey. Again, I go back to this league. Nothing should shock us anymore. With what happens, because here's a funny thing for you, the the Canes and the Buffalo Sabers were on the exact same path, basically through Western Canada, and the Sabers beat Calgary, they beat Edmonton, they beat Vancouver, and then they get thumped by Seattle, and meanwhile the Canes they thump Seattle, and then tough game against Edmonton, the game's right there against Calgary. They get back on track against Vancouver. Like it, nothing shocks me. Like people are like, how can Edmonton lose to that team, but then beat this team? Because that's today's NHL. Yeah, everybody's capable of winning. So, yeah, just putting that out there. Uh, this question, we do have a question. Oh, one, one. Uh, when you and Shane Duquesne's casts uh, need to know why it wasn't a penalty on Milan Lucic when he shoved Slavin back into the bench when he was getting on the ice. Refs not see it or just not a penalty. Thanks. I didn't see it. Did you see it? I mean, if he picks him up and impedes him, you can call it. So Jacob was coming over the boards on a line change, and, and he just knocked him back in. Yeah, that's. Funny. I mean, you can call interference, but <laughs> that's funny. I said, but I mean, that's good quality fun on the ice. <laughs> Everyone just having fun. That's old time hockey. I would say the ref didn't see it. Yeah, I don't know what the penalty would be. Interference would be the only thing that comes to my mind. But if the puck's nowhere near there, I don't. Well, think that's the why it would be interference, it. though. But then what is he going to call? Uh, I, we'd have to look in the rule book. I got. I have to go. I got to go look at the play. Thank you, <laughs> Tina. For Did that. Jacob end up like on the ground with his feet up? No, but I do know that Jacob Slavin made one of the most impressive plays I've seen in my life in Vancouver, wow. where he was. Does that surprise you? No, no. But it was when I say what the play was. He was at the end of his shift, and he jumped. Did you not see? He jumped over the boards. Yeah, like two feet first. I've ne- I'd never seen that. It was like a long jump. I didn't Olympics. see that either. Why didn't you tweet that at me? Uh, because I didn't have it, but I will show. Oh, and you also don't have Twitter. Oh, which that's also a very important thing. Don't ever, ever, uh, ever, ever get on Twitter. Don't. Um, just throwing that out there for you. 
Yeah. That is a good question. I have to go back and look at it. But I don't know. The ref was probably like, I don't know what I'm going to call. Here, I'm what gonna movie was that where the guy put up his hand? Oh, on, um, oh, man, what's the football movie? There's lots where of the football The kid movies. goes to block the guy, and he runs him all the way to the end zone. It's the high school football kid. Um, Varsity Sander, Blues? Sander, no, Sander Bullock. Oh, uh, The Blind Side. The Blind Side, where the kid blocks the kid, runs him all the way through the end zone, and then throws him over the fence. There is the slave in place, so you can watch it. Oh, that was quick. Yes. A little hurdle. Yes. Um, and then the ref throws a flag up at the end. The coach's like, what are you calling? He's like, I don't know. Excessive blocking? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know what the call is. But that's a good place for us to uh, yeah. leave well, this I wanna, episode. I want to give one little teaser out. Oh. Well, there was a teaser out on social media, I think. I don't know if it went out yet. But when the boys got back, we were able to have a little bit of fun. Uh, you know, everyone's a dog lover. Why wouldn't you love a dog? A uh, little photo shoot for an upcoming calendar. Canes and dogs. Who wouldn't want to get that uh, with all proceeds going to the foundation? I believe everybody should have that. There's no pre-order, so don't get too excited yet. But this will be released, I believe, shortly before Christmas. Just what, in time for the new what, year. Perfect. What a way to stuff the stockings with a calendar. Andre Sveshikov holding like a golden doodle or something. Uh, Brent Burns' dogs are big, by the way. We use some player dogs in this. Are you thing. shocked by that? No, not at all. But did uh, did Jordan Martinuk's dog Gus make an appearance? I believe he did. A great friend. Marty and H's. Not sure that's considered a dog. So uh, I, I he it's, told us what it was. It's the size of my palm. But it, he told us what it was, and it's like a is tiny poo or something like that. I'm like I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, poofy poof is. is what it was. <laughs> Foofy foo. Yeah, I'm not sure what month that will be on. We're going. We're going back to all the words again. Yeah. It was a look dilly. for that coming to you coming soon to the web. <laughs> it was a dilly of a time. <laughs> dilly dally. Dilly dilly. <laughs> dilly no one dilly dallied on the ice. All right. Well, with that, we end this episode of Kane's Cast. But don't worry, we're not going to have two weeks in between like we did uh, from the start of the season and now. We will be back next week with another one. With a three-game recap. Yes, we will of have six that. points. Of six Dare points. Dare we say. Against the Metro Division. Yahtzee!